Hi, my name is Adam. Hi, my name is Johnny. Hi, my name is Bridget. And, and we've we never seen The Player. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. You heard all our names up top because we have a triple hot seat this week on the show where we show somebody, anybody, sometimes multiple people, a film they've never seen before that they absolutely should have seen by now. You heard us all say in perfect unison on the count of three that we have never seen 1992's The Player. And this is going to be another one of those films where we know mostly nothing. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I, I know uh, just a little bit. Okay. Well, if you know just a little bit, why don't you tell us what you know, and then why don't you tell us why you've never seen this movie before? So, this movie was put on my radar. It was a... So, this movie has two big things where it ends up on two different lists a lot of times. Okay. One of them being about the beginning of this movie. So, I actually have seen the first few minutes of this movie because I just went through and watched a bunch of them. Even considering maybe I haven't seen before, it would say, hey, this is this, this actually looks pretty good. I maybe want to finish it up. Okay. Don't know why I didn't, even though I was impressed with what I did see in the beginning. And I won't say whether it's... Uh, I don't want to hint to what it actually is, whether it's technically or who's on screen or what's happening, but it is noteworthy for sure. Okay. And the other thing that ends up on the list a lot is kind of a spoiler, so I don't want to go in that territory. Okay. But I do know it's about making movies. It's about yes. it's about Hollywood. We're probably going to see a little bit of like Toontown shit going on with where we watched uh, Roger, Roger Rabbit. Yeah. So I think we're going to get some some flashbacks or some things of seeing that, some similarities. I know Tim Robbins is the main player mm -hmm. in it. And I may have seen a couple faces here and there, but I don't remember off the top of my head. So I don't know who he is, whether he's an actor or a movie producer or what the situation is, but I, I believe, if I remember correctly, he is a part of that process. Yeah. And I know Robert Altman is known for doing kind of like satire, cross-genre, cross, you know, whether it's comedy or drama. So I think we're going to get like a little bit of a hybrid of a movie here. And he's the director of this. And right? he's the director of this. And I have not seen any Robert Altman movies, even though I am familiar with him and some of the – we just quickly went over some of the movie titles before we started. And that's it. That's where it stops for me for what I know about it. it 1992 – um, I know he did a lot of good movies like in the 70s, so maybe this is like a resurgence a little bit. I believe this was nominated at the very least for a few things. Okay. So... And this is Tim Robbins' heyday, like the early... Or the early 90s, correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't remember if you said it. When did you watch the very beginning of this? Was this very recently or was this This might have been like a, This might have been like a decade ago that oh, okay. I watched so this it. Yeah, is... so I'm going to have a... I remember, I remember why it's noteworthy. Okay. I'm not... I'm having a hard time placing like... What, what we're looking at or what we're seeing. Gotcha. Okay. Bridget, what about you? Do you know anything about this film? Uh, Tim Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> I know now that Robert Altman directed, um, and, you know, it's a movie about making movies, I guess, or Hollywood at the very least. That's it. My only introduction to this film is in my copy of A Thousand and One Movies to See Before You Die, 
it was one of the entries that had like an image attached to it and it was of Tim Robbins. So okay. didn't, <laughs> didn't learn much from it, but I, I do remember that page. I gotcha. remember it being in the book. Have so. you seen any Robert Altman films before? I've seen Gosford Park, okay, which I liked. What is I that think one it's about? Really good. Um, that one's also like a Hollywood, isn't it? Um, no, that one is Downton Abbey, but good. Oh, ooh, hot takes. Hot, sorry, <laughs> the coming hottest in hot. Takes. Um, Came here uh, for a movie podcast. You didn't expect scathing criticism of <laughs> popular TV from six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'm pro Annette, anti Downton Abbey, um, and very pro just. <laughs> pissing people off um but my understanding of his oeuvre if you will is like big broad character driven movies where you have all these different characters and you're getting a little snapshot of their lives at a particular moment gotcha okay i know nothing of this beyond what was just said in the last five minutes I looked it up briefly, so I did see also Tim Robbins. It's very prominent. I think he's on the poster. Uh, I believe he's also wearing suspenders of some kind, so I'm getting... uh, Oh, no, it's a suit. Never mind. When I looked at it briefly earlier, I was getting maybe, like, it's not set in 1992. It might be, like, in olden times, but you're mentioning flashbacks, so maybe we will get um, some of that as well. And then I did see a little blurb about the kind of idea of it but i don't want to spoil that here but i i am intrigued based on the little bit that i did see about what type of movie this could be uh and i'm very much looking forward to that uh, because and we'll talk about it after i'm sure when we can reveal more about the right. the movie to each other and to you the audience about why i may or may not like the idea of it going in so we'll see if that comes to fruition uh the only movie that i've seen on robert altman's uh, filmography was uh, ready to wear i don't know why i saw it it was probably one of those things where i threw it on hbo in the middle of the day or night or whatever because it had somebody else in it that i liked and it was probably rated r and i wasn't allowed to watch them then or so you know like one of those things oh i'm getting away with something because i can watch a thing i'm watching a robert altman film yeah Yeah. (laughs) what a bad boy yeah what a hardcore dude (laughs) um but i don't remember a single thing about that movie so i can't say that oh his aesthetic is good or his his filmmaking style is something i really appreciate no idea No clue as to uh, to what that is. So any kind of anticipation about... I mean, have we talked about like movies about movies before? I feel like maybe with Singing in the Rain a little Singing bit. Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Um, again, Who Framed Roger Rabbit touches a little bit on it. Yeah, a little good. bit. It's 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 based in that world of creating content, creating movies. Yeah, and they're <laughs> talking about contracts and feature players and all these different things. So that one kind of has those vibes right. to it. Do you guys have any particular favorites that we can either remind the audience that we talked about earlier, or maybe we didn't mention the, about the magic of making yeah. movie magic? I mean, I I really enjoyed the movie about the making of the room with James Franco mm-hmm. and other people. That was good. Um, even though it's porn, Boogie Nights was good. I just like the filmmaking process. I like when you get a lot of peer in. I'm fairly familiar with how things work, but it's cool to sort of educate the general audience member on how things. It may it made thirty seconds to you, but it may take a whole day to do to, for someone else. Oh, yeah, you know sure. what I mean? I'm trying to think of what other movies there are about movies that I've enjoyed. 
I know there's a bunch of them. I'm just having a hard press. I know. Already. I'm having such a blank. All I can think of is singing in the rain. Yeah. I mean, you have shows like Entourage where it's just it's you're very much always like on on a backstage lot or you're on a set or you're kind of you're at a war you're on the red carpet or whatever. So I enjoyed that element of Entourage a lot, even though it just seemed to dip in quality with frequency over the years. But I did enjoy the sort of male sex in the city, if you will. I mean, that's what it was. Yeah, that was the male call to that, but. I'm looking up a list of best movies about making movies. <laughs> Thank you. So we've got yeah, jog uh, my memory. Saving Mr. Banks, which I actually watched just like the other week, and that was really cool. Oh, that's about Walt Disney, right? Yeah, yeah. Walt Disney trying to get the rights to Mary Poppins from P.L. Travis. Okay, got and it. She's like completely anti it, and then looks like she's crying at the end. And right. People say, oh, it's so sweet. She liked it. She did not like it. No. <laughs> Uh, I, d- I do like someone like the like I think it was like Scream Three or something like that yeah. or the one of the newer like Nightmare on Elm Streets where it was very meta and it was about the making of like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie but Freddy was still killing people on set or whatever but I just it's weird because sometimes movies will do that they just run out of ideas hey let's just make a movie about us making this movie yeah yeah I think it was Scream Three where they're like what if we were in a murder movie what are the rules of horror movies what are all these different things yeah. like that was the the point of it. Uh, let's see, we've got Ed Wood. Okay. Be Kind, Rewind. That's kind of a different idea, but that movie was fun. Yeah. Uh, Heart of Darkness, uh, uh, Boogie Nights, The Big Picture, and The Player. Uh, what's the... Um, what we're watching. Barton Fink, Adaptation. Oh, yeah, Barton Fink, Screenwriting. Singing in the Rain. Uh, who's that half. German filmmaker? Werner Herzog has a couple movies about making his own movies there's the documentary where he talks about the process of filming Fitzcarraldo and being in the jungle and actually moving this enormous steamboat which is great he also made a film about his work with Klaus Kinski who's a psychopath um so that's those are highly recommend if you feel like not sleeping even uh like a Jarodowski's Dune is great documentary about the first the first attempt at an adaptation of dune and that's a wild documentary Mm because that guy is so eccentric that director Mm -hmm. still looking at this list we've got get shorty oh yeah that's on our list uh the life aquatic which i guess is about making documentaries about making a documentary i gotta pass by all of these uh, articles mentioning the players (laughs) uh west craven's new nightmare i think is the one we're talking about yeah I suppose yeah. you can throw Anaconda on that list if we're talking about movies about documentary shit. I mean, King Kong, I guess, at that point. Too. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Artist. Oh, yeah. The Artist, that's right. Uh, I know we mentioned this in passing because of one of the actors, but Hail Caesar. Yeah. Is I do. On I here. love Hail Caesar. That is pretty good. Uh, the first two, A Star is Born. Tropic Thunder is technically about True. making movies, though a little bit less realistic. Stay in Maine. Hooper. Cinema Paradiso. That's on our list, too. Eight and a half. I don't know if I said that one already. Shadow of the Vampire. Bowfinger. Inglorious Bastards is on this list, though it's not really the same. Mm, No. I mean, she films a section of that Nazi propaganda bullshit and and edits it in, but like, is that what they're calling making the movie? Okay. That's That's a reach. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, they had to pad out 25 dentists. Yeah. (laughs) We had to make sure they hit right. They hit their word count, so it gets into SEO. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that looks like a lot of these lists kind of repeat the same 
right. those same ones. So any from those that jump out as being, I think my favorite would be Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I mean, I, Tropic Thunder is really funny, but I, I don't know why, but maybe it's just, it, I just like that movie so much, but I really like Boogie Nights. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say of the movies that have been mentioned, yeah, Boogie Nights is... Is, is what the, at the top, but yeah, there's always, again, that's, there's, they focus a little bit on the process of it, then there's movies kind of like, like making the room where it's the whole movie is about making that movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't like turn into some like coke binge for the last third act. Mm-hmm. Could have. It could have, sure. Based yeah. on what I know of both of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> Disaster Artist is the name of that movie. I was trying to think of what it was. Disaster called. Artist, correct. Yeah. I was like, it's called The Room, isn't it? But it's not. It's, it's not. Disaster Artist. So that was um, going to drive me nuts if I didn't think of it. <laughs> now, since we only really know, well, I mean, maybe a couple of us know other actors in it, but Tim Robbins, any favorite movies? How do we feel about Tim Robbins? How do we feel about Tim Robbins? He's good. Tall guy. Yeah. Tall. Well, we did see Tim tall Robbins. drink of water. We saw him recently in Mystic River. We did. Uh, he was good in that, though. I remember there was something about his performance that I wasn't... You weren't crazy about his accent. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. It was the yeah, accent. Because yeah. it was just a weird half Boston, half regular Tim Robbins voice that yeah. just was kind of... I thought it was all right, but yeah. Off-putting, but... Yeah, I mean, he's good. Obviously, Shawshank is, sure. I think, the highlight. That's the first one, yeah, you would yeah. think. Uh, see, my first is Bull Durham, which is one of my favorite movies, but it's all right. Yeah. I guess I'll ha- I have to give it up for Shawshank Redemption. He was in Top Gun? Uh, um, wow, okay. If he was, he's like he's one of, Navy student number two or something. No, he's one of the other pilots <laughs> that's definitely in dogfighting scenes. No shit. Because I recognize the name Merlin. But I don't recognize, like, I even thinking about screenshots from that movie, I do not place Tim right. Robbins anywhere near it. But I know that's on our list, and we'll get to it eventually, though. Yeah. We we're going to try to coincide with the new one that just yeah. got pushed to next year. So Zach will have to wait and watch that later. He plays another loony in War of the Worlds. That's right. Isn't he in The Pick of Destiny? Yes. <laughs> the Tenacious D movie? Yeah. Oh, he's great in um, uh, High Fidelity. Oh, that's right. He is in that, isn't he? Yeah. He's the he's the douchey uh, neighbor that she goes to after. He's the president in Austin Powers. Is oh, he? Oh, that's right. Man, he, I can't he pops up that. On, right? I can't either, but I mean, clearly he huh. he, uh, he really just blends in a lot of times. <laughs> oh, he's the dad in Zathura, the Jumanji sequel that's Jumanji again, but space. Uh, he was in Green Lantern. I do remember that. Quite the career this man has. Yeah. yeah. All good stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's some crap in there, but we're only going to mention the good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, now I want to watch Top Gun and be like, oh shit, that is really young Tim Robbins. Look at that. He's always had like a youthful sort of appearance. I feel like there's like a phase of his life that he's just looked the same like a lot of actors or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. kinda, he's got like, like the Paul Rudd of like the 80s or the 90s, whatever. I was going to say, Paul Rudd was around in the 80s. Yeah, he I know. And he still looks same. the same. Yeah. yeah. Son of a bitch. Vampire. It's just be- not being problematic. <laughs> yeah. It's what keeps you youthful in Hollywood. Not being an asshole. That's why all the other stars age. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, I mean, not obviously we can't really get into plot details or any real. Do you guys have any kind of expectations for this, knowing that it's about the the making of movies? Anything that you want to see? Any particular favorite tropes in those kinds of movies that we mentioned that you like that you want to see? more of do you want it to be about the actual movie making process or just adjacent to the movie business well i think what i like about movies like boogie nights is it takes a process that when you're 
you're viewing the final product. It's very star focused. It's a much more singular focus. But when you peel the curtain back, you see it's a whole network of people and that sort of ensemble type of movie I really enjoy. So that's what I hope we get. I hope we get to see lots of different people. Maybe Tim Robbins on a sort of odyssey to meet every single Holly weirdo. That's what I would like to experience. Johnny, any expectations for you? I know this might be a little bit harder because you kind of know. Yeah, I mean, I... Just because I know, I think it's been nominated for a few Academy Awards. I think, if I remember correctly, the the critics or Rotten Tomatoes score is fairly high. So I, I, I expect it to be good, but let's see where if it lands between good and like incredible. Who knows? Um, I feel like a lot of like '90s movies get buried somehow. It's like that fifth or like fourth movie that got nominated, and everyone's been talking about Goodfellas the entire time or something. Mm-hmm. Or it's the sixth one back when you can only have five, and it's like, oh man, this movie would have been easily, yeah, yeah. yeah. It probably could have snuck in on a second thinker, right. you know, thinking about it if there was ten in, at that time, but yeah. it just didn't make the cut. Like, a lot of people, like, always talk about, like, 98, oh, saving Private Ryan, but, like, hardly no one talks about L.A. Confidential. Oh! You know, it's like, in that Love movie. Love L.A. Confidential. Yeah, so it's like, people, it's, it's just sometimes movies just get buried by just something so enormous. Well, yeah. we talked about it with Pulp Fiction, of Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction, and I think there was a third. Uh, Shawshank. Was, Shawshank. Yeah. It was that so. same year. It was very stacked. So I don't know what was, like, the It movie in 92, as far as... Was that the Dances with Wolves year? Ooh. No, that was a Goodfellas year. That's what That's Goodfellas right. got snubbed pretty hard by that movie. That's right. Almost in every technical. and I mean, I think Ludicrous. I think Pesci walked away with a trophy, but that's it. Ludicrous. Yeah, what's no, going is, on is, in 92? Philadelphia out? Or is, oh, it... No, because that would have been 93. Because 94 is Gump. Gump. Yeah. Okay, so 1993 is Academy Awards, so encapsulating all the movies from 1992. The best picture five are Scent of a Woman, Howard's End, A Few Good Men, The Crying Game, and the winner, Unforgiven. Which I do really love Unforgiven. He's great. Yeah. So again, I mean, all, those all sound... Well, I know a lot of those are really good movies. I, I There's one that I didn't really recognize off the top of my head, but... Yeah, and so Altman was uh, nominated for Best Director against okay, he was. Eastwood, Neil Jordan for Crying Game, James Ivory for Howard's End, and Martin Brest for Sentable. Gotcha. So, see, Chaplin came out that year. Malcolm X came out that year. I'm looking at some of these other movies. Oh, this was the Marissa Tomei year. For oh! Okay. Um, so that was that movie's fantastic. Let's see, That's what else do we one. have here? Husbands and Wives... Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was also this year, and that movie's great. Uh, A River Runs Through It. And I'm seeing Passion Fish, which I've never heard of. Enchanted April. Mr. Saturday Night. Did I say Lorenzo's Oil yet? (laughs) (laughs) The Susan Sarandon vehicle. I mean, yeah, a lot of those movies probably just push this guy aside, I think. Now, you said Tim Robbins was nominated? Uh, no, he was not. He was I'm not. not. He Who was were not. the leading gents that year? This was Al Pacino, Scent of a Woman, oh, yeah, Robert definitely. Downey for Chaplin, Eastwood and Unforgiven, Stephen Rhea for The Crying Game, uh, and Denzel for Malcolm X. Malcolm X, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I think this, I, it was one of those, you know, maybe the director or like a screenwriter or some of the technical stuff kind of grabbed a few things here and there, but at the end of the day, it was never really given the entire trophy just a nomination so yeah 
Damn, Al Pacino was nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor that year for Glenn Gary <laughs> and Scent of a Woman. I like you to say for Scent of a Woman, too. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> for Scent of a Woman. Is, it's like, if he doesn't get the, get the, the Best Actor, maybe get the Best Supporting. Yeah. Well, he got Best Actor for yeah. Scent of a Woman. Yeah. But he was only supporting in Glenn Gary, so. Cool. All right. Well, then, folks, what do we have to say for ourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll watch it. We have just finished watching 1992's The Player, a film set in the rough-and-tumble world of Hollywood executives with murder and intrigue, and I want to know how you both are feeling. So, Johnny, what did you think of this movie? This was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed this. It took a little while from the jump to kind of find its bearings for me in the beginning. I think and you'll know now why. So that one of the things that I saw this on a list was the best sort of like introduction tracking shots or one of the best tracking shots ever. That was pretty good. Um, which was again just it, it's a nightmare to put together and I know they went through a number of takes with this particular one. So that was cool to see. And it's cool that it was like before because I feel like nowadays you see a lot more of them especially since things like Birdman and Inaritu's work of all these different long tracking shots. Right. I don't feel like they did that as much back in the No, they, 90s. they they really didn't and and particularly something that's like 7 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, you think about the Goodfellas, Coco Cabano scene or whatever which mm-hmm. is no more than like 2 minutes or 2 and a half minutes. So, this one was pretty impressive for its length for sure. Yeah, I know I, I asked in the middle of it. I was like, this has been one shot. Right? Like, <laughs> yes. is, I am remembering that we haven't had a cut yet. I know it's weird that we're peering in from outside this executive's window, but right. I think this is one long shot. And the second thing was, like, the most cameos in a movie. So I didn't really want to give away the fact that, like, you'd be expecting people left and right. Um, But I think after a while, you're like, okay, I'm probably going to see another person I know or another person I know. I'm glad a lot of them seem to be, like, cameos in a way of just name dropping them and maybe not so much seeing them uh but i'm glad a couple of them came to fruition at the end particularly bruce willis which oh, may have been the the best cameo the bruce right. willis julia roberts payoff after you after you hear them talked about in every pitch right is so good really enjoyed it it had a really unique vibe to it it was funny very noirish very intense and thrilling when it kind of needed to be and not like in a very sort of like tongue-in-cheek way like it like legitimately was like kind of like thrilling in a way to watch but yeah everyone in it was good i just like that world it's fascinating to me again got huge entourage vibes because that's pretty much all they talk about is the next pitch or the next project or the next movie plus you got the jeremy pivot angle for exactly yeah which is interestingly enough that he's in entourage because or not because of this but but yeah i don't know bridget what's what's your gut on this I, yeah, this movie was a lot of fun. It was, there were parts of it that were, you know, just a romp, and then parts of it that were very tense, parts of it that were very surreal. I liked it. And I loved Whoopi Goldberg in it. I'm <laughs> sorry. 
was just great. Did you fuck her? <laughs> Did you fuck her? <laughs> it's a very direct question. Did you fuck her? That scene was insane. That was. Well, especially when it breaks down into absolute lunacy of his eyes darting around the room as everyone laughs maniacally at him. Mm-hmm. It just the anxiety of that scene is just, <laughs> just looking for tampons, whether yeah. or not they're heavy flow or yeah, not. Yeah, these are regular slim. Yeah. These are not mine. On jumbo. <laughs> but again, I think a lot of that's played for like satire because I mean it just they're taking something that is just ridiculous about tampons or whatever, mm-hmm. where in like a real serious movie they would have like really be hammering this person over legitimate things. And not about, like, tampons or something like that. Oh, see, I read that as she is trying to fluster a man because anytime a man hears about feminine products, it's immediately... I, I mean, I suppose I suppose it could be that, too. But, again, uh, the movie is a, a satire a lot of the time. It's, it's making fun of itself. It's making fun of the business. It's very meta. I know we talked about other movies that were meta. Mm-hmm. Particularly, even at the end, it just, like, really hammers the meta on you. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't... Adam, what about you? Did not like it. Oh, really? Did not like it. Okay. There, are, there are a lot of parts of it I like. It it lost me in the middle. Okay. It does get a little... I was starting to be lost in the middle. Yeah. I like the like reveal at the end of one year later. Like I like the epilogue and it kind of saves it a little bit, but I was kind of off the train okay. long before that. Mostly because it's not the kind of movie I thought going in. Like going in, so I had read the description of man gets threatening letters from a writer but he hears so many pitches he can't possibly know who it is so i thought we were going full-on whodunit and the second that he kills the writer i mean we're just this is all spoilers sure yeah yeah. the second he kills the writer i was like oh i don't i don't want this to devolve into he killed the writer thing like i want to find out i want him to go crazy from all the torture but i want to find out who did it like i want this to be a murder miss like a hollywood murder mystery as opposed to a guy is douche kills and continues being a douche. Like, I don't know. It just... It didn't. Yeah, but didn't it intrigue you that he was still getting postcards after this person was dead? Yeah, but then but then that doesn't even get paid off. In the sure, movie. but yeah. So the fact that... And maybe that's part of the satire of movie making is sometimes you get let down in the third act or something. It's certainly possible. Yeah. But the movie... Once he kills uh, David... Whatever his name is. The writer. Vincent D'Onofrio. Who I loved his performance. He was great. Mm-hmm. Um but once he kills them, it's no longer about the postcards really anymore. You get the facts and the snake and the dinner one. And like, then the next hour is none of it. And I was like, oh, I like that other subplot more. I don't like this subplot of he's dating the ex. I don't like the, there's some other subplot going on. I think it was just mostly like them trying to pin it on him, which obviously he did it. So there's, you know, there's no ambiguity there, but I don't know. I just did. I liked the setup more than the, what the movie was actually about story-wise. Like, I I get all of the Hollywood in stuff, and that's the stuff I liked the most. I love the name-dropping and the all of the conversations felt very Mammoth Sorkin dialogue of just, like, quick, heavy hits, move to the next thing, 25 words or less. Like, I loved all those conversations. Right. Loved all that dialogue. But the story to get me through all those scenes, it lost me halfway through kind of and so i just it was like okay let's move off the next tim robbins is having a freak out to the next pitch meeting or the next ridiculous thing that's going to happen so it just felt long to me because it felt like i was Mm -hmm. waiting for the next pithy dialogue to to come on screen yeah there were stretches in the middle that i was waiting for something funny to happen because the first 15 minutes of the movie are so delightful Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, um, you certainly got all your meeting lots of colorful characters yeah. in that first scene. Yeah, 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 yeah that was, that was, it was exactly <laughs> what I wanted. Right off the bat. Um, and just the pitches themselves are so ludicrous. You have the the repeating of the same people as, who do you see in this? Yeah. Um, you have, there's one pitch where they talk about a television star going to Af- a small African tribe. They're little people. And the movie started playing a television star yeah, or something like that. And he says, so it's the gods must be crazy, but she's the Coke bottle. And they're like, yes. And just the <laughs> self-seriousness of those conversations are delightful. Yeah, I want to hear a million more pitches I could, like that. I could, yeah, yeah, watch an entire movie of bizarro pitches. Yeah. And how how they're fielded. Yeah, and I really like those elements of it. It was just all of the murder of the writer parts that I just kind of didn't care as much about and so the movie lost me as a result because i was more intrigued by the who wants to kill him i thought his life was going to be in more danger than it was and i know that it's kind of and they talk about it in the very first kind of meeting with the head of security of like don't worry i'll make this go away like i'll deal with everything it's my job to protect the studio Mm -hmm. i was like okay cool like that element will come into play here it never really did it just kind of he got off at the end on a the weirdest set of circumstances of just like a witness said it's not him but i feel like there's a lot of evidence to to place him there at the scene yeah the the fingerprints yeah. smashing the window yeah yeah like his fingerprints would have been on that rebar or whatever like the big cement thing that he broke the thing with like it's not like they didn't have fingerprinting in 1992 right like that was still a oh yeah okay I was like, I, I know some serial killers, they didn't have fingerprints and DNA and stuff, but I feel like by this time, oh, we yeah. must have it. The fact that he, he calls the house, someone could probably put him at the house, maybe cell phone trajectory or whatever, because he's on a cell phone. He then dates the girl afterwards. There's so many things that you could have at least gone to trial with, and they're just like, nope, the witness said a different thing, so scot-free, you're the head of the studio. <laughs> I, and I wonder, um, is it a send-up of some of those late 80s, early 90s psychosexual thrillers? It, all, all of it. It's all, it, it's the way, even at the end where he's at like that resort, listing all the things that like people want to see oh, in the movie. Oh, I loved like, that. That's, that's, like that's, you saw covered. every single thing of that in the movie. Yeah. Except like where you saw like the last thing he said was like sex and we didn't get like our sex scene yet. So we, then we got it. <laughs> Check. We got it. So, again, I think the movie just lives in a world where you have to forgive it for all those... You can't think it it's too realistic of a movie. Because it spends most of its breath trying to make fun of itself, of the tropes, of those things you see in movies. Being disappointed in a movie, being delighted by a movie. I just, yeah, for all those things, I find it a lot more interesting as a metaphor and meta mm-hmm. than I do trying to understand it as a legitimate thriller... Because you will be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what happened here. It's like I, and again, I get all of the metaphors. I get all of the the in jokes, the meta stuff. But to me, I wanted that inside of also a movie with a good story. And I feel like it leans too much into the look. We're doing all of the things that Hollywood does wrong in our own movie. Isn't that fascinating? I'm like, well, not as much. Like I could go watch a bad movie. If I wanted to see that, like, I don't, I want to see this because I think it should be a good movie. And I just didn't feel that way, even though I get the point. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be that person who has a crackpot theory about a piece of media. And they say, like, those people who are like, well, actually, (laughs) 
Winnie the Pooh is depression. You know, one of those crackpot theories. I'm but sorry, go back to this depression thing? Winnie you've the never Pooh? seen one of no, those. I, know. <laughs> okay. I was like, uh, like oh, you've been on the internet. Yeah. You're um, blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Um, but I think there, I, in my mind, I could see the movie switches and becomes more surreal. The moment after he tells Bonnie his strange pitch that someone gave him where he's actually telling her but not really telling her essentially i i'm being stalked by this writer that i turned down and to me i feel like the rest of the movie is a dream or his perception of what is going on as he's breaking down cracking under the pressure of who's the levy is the new guy the new hotshot coming in he's cracking peter gallagher yes cracking under the pressure Mm -hmm. of losing the job and this is his way of making sense of the situation he's found himself in. So, of course, he is a movie person. He's going to be experiencing it through these tropes coming from noirs, thrillers, and just everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, he's like finally like vicariously living through, through one of the pitches that he's been hearing. Yeah, exactly. And the ones that he loves to hear about. And yeah. you see his whole office is adorned with all this noir stuff, you know, M and other true. things. yeah. So he's kind of an obsessive on it. Mm-hmm. And when he hears that pitch halfway through the movie, I like I try to make some connections if that pitch had sort of any parallels to his life at the moment as far as, oh, like this guy, like this husband faked his death or whatever. I'm like, oh, is the guy that he possibly killed in the alley still alive? That's what like, I that's And, you know, like cause the story, like now this couple are together. So there are parallels to what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't completely come together. And it's not, it was more of like a far-fetched thought when I was watching it. But the movie invites you to think about that stuff along the way, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, I think I felt myself thinking more about like, oh, is a pitch going to connect to what I'm seeing? And because it didn't, I was kind of taken out of it. Because I was thinking, like, oh, okay, is this yeah. is this what they're trying to get? Like, is this the hint? Is this where we're going? And then it never goes in any of the directions it kind of hints towards. And I was like, oh, well, okay, I guess I was just here <laughs> for the ride. Right. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think this movie is one that I'm going to want to, like, read up on and see what other people sort of oh, interpret. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I feel like in the moment... I'm tr- I'm grasping or trying to figure out or I have an idea of what it's about and I get completely wrong. The same. This but I, but I love me... that. But I love that. Yeah. Like I'm willing to spend I'm... more effort on it opposed to Annette. like Annette where <laughs> like I just wanted to close the book on that chapter And you life. say, I don't want the answers to right. any of these. Yeah. I think I think technically, technically, I mean, if we want to talk about that, it, it's very accomplished. It's very competent. Mm-hmm. The music from Thomas Newman is excellent. Or it, it reminds me almost of like the stuff that he did with like American Beauty or sort of surreal and gongs and drums. and. I noted that during the sex scene. In oh, yeah, the gongs. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Because they go full on jazz score, like intense drumming heavy beats and, and all these different things and it kind of crescendos when the the scene crescendos and it's all very over the top much as it's supposed to because of the satirical nature of the whole thing right but yeah no technically it's fantastic yeah all the camera work the score the soundtrack all of it is great again i grew up in a different generation and i try to watch as many old movies as i can but i would have loved to maybe pick up on more of the cameos i feel like a few of them went over my head where again i if maybe this came out like 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, I'd have a, like a 
a lot more recognition maybe some of the characters and maybe enjoyed it more on that level mm-hmm. but i certainly recognize a good amount of them for sure yeah you got like nick nolte in there you know what's his face shows up for a minute in like the craziest sweater oh jeff goldblum jeff goldblum yeah yeah yeah. i love the conversation about when they're talking to andy mcdowell about how malcolm mcdowell just left and roddy mcdowell is related to somebody and she's like well i don't i'm not related to any of those people (laughs) so i'm gonna go Go. (laughs) i was taken out a little bit every time a new actor showed up because i was like is this a cameo or is this a new character that I have to pay attention to. Is mm-hmm. this going to be important? Oh, no. It's literally just Jack Lemmon playing a piano. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. You know. Not having one piece of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Such I a disappointment. I felt, I felt sad because feel... he plays playing it and he's like looking around people like listening. You and, see like, him. No there's one's... dialogue happening. I'm like, what is he saying? Come, come closer, Jack. Come closer. I suppose if I had a problem in the beginning, it seemed that I had a hard time following dialogue, whether it was the mix or people talking over each other, where I had to find a tune into that frequency or be like, okay, I really got to hone in or like watch people's mouths and see where it's coming. Because there's there was a point where there is a lunch with Burt Reynolds yes. and what's his face, and they're having a conversation slowly that mixes out and like in the foreground or in the background, you mm-hmm. hear uh, Tim Robbins' character and I forget who else he's he's eating with, but. Levinson. The, Levinson, like, the yeah. Studio head. That was, at that point, it was almost like, hey, this is kind of what you have to listen to, or this is kind of how we're going to be doing things. So it was, it was almost kind of like taking my hand a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I think before that, I kind of had a hard time understanding a little bit what was going on. Yeah, I don't think we were meant to hear anything from Burt Reynolds outside of, he's an asshole. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But like, I really wanted to hear his story about why he was an asshole. And so I'm like, I was focusing on listening to that and be like okay yeah yeah, yeah. he doesn't like levy got it got it got it got it so anyway burt reynolds thinks you're a dick yeah <laughs> and again i think some of the dialogue is just meant to sound chaotic and you're not really supposed to listen to it verbatim and register it and put it in your pocket and be like this is important to the story mm-hmm. opposed to just people just like talking over each other about scripts and pitches and uh, budgets or whatever but again uh, like you say like an aaron sorkin movie yeah. or if you had seen, uh, what's the movie with Adam Sandler recently? Uh, oh, Happy Halloween. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, hold it. Uncut gems. Hold the car phone. <laughs> um, Forward all facts. Yeah. Oh my God. Uncut gems is yeah, what tell- I was thinking of. Yeah. Where it's like a 90 minute movie, but like the script is like 200 pages long. Yeah. And I like those kinds of things. Like I yeah. love that fast paced dialogue i mean we mentioned like gary gilman ross like i love the speedy impactful and i'm sure that's kind of what this was going for is that listen it's more important because we're saying a lot of things in a very short amount of time therefore it's important but even if it's not like a lot of those times they were saying nonsense especially in those first pitches where we're outside the window yeah where he's just like Okay, so it's this movie mixed with this movie mixed with this movie. Got it. And then it's the next meeting. Like, oh, okay, so it's the gods must be crazy, but with a teacher instead of a copa. Okay, got it. All right, it's this meets what was the one where it's like, it's political, but it's satirical, but it's also scathing, but it's also... It's got a heart in the right place. And it's heart. It's heartful. It's like the Manchurian Candidate meets, and I forget what the other like movie he says is. But like, I loved all of that dialogue and i think that's the satire part of it, is like if we say things fast enough it seems important it's not yeah not only that but it makes us look like you don't know what we're talking about almost like when you watch like wall street in the beginning or some of these other movies like being on the trading floor it's like what are they saying yeah what are they talking about learning about um, penny stocks and wolf of wall street. exactly yeah yeah <laughs> but um again i think it's 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 meant to show you that this is like 
really how these conversations go in Hollywood. They're talking about nonsense, and there's millions and millions of dollars behind these mm-hmm. deals. And they believe fervently in their own bullshit. Oh, yeah. Oh, like the Richard Grant's character who pitches the movie in the middle that they end up selling. I like that pitch. I like that pitch, too. I'm with, I'm with Bonnie. I hate the new ending. I right. very much liked the original idea and screw Main Street or whatever town he says that doesn't like it because I think that was a better Yeah, the minute yeah. I saw Julia Roberts, I'm like, they went for the happy ending. Yeah. Of course they did. Well, the moment I saw Susan Sarandon and Peter Falk. Yeah. Oh, like, right, right, right. Yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, they got stars for some part of it. Maybe not the leads, but of course yeah. they got stars for the lead. Especially once we knew the Levinson was out. Because mm-hmm. once they said Levinson's out, which it kind of came out of left field, which was kind of weird, but I guess that happens in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One day and the next day gone. But once I saw Peter Falk and Susan Sarandon, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, yeah. we filmed the bad ending. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. But um, Richard Grant's character keeps saying, because this is real, it yeah. happens. Yeah. You, you know, but even his initial pitch is fantastical and just so not heart not in the right place uh if you're really wanting to make a film about the the horrors of capital punishment yeah let's say he was going just for the visual of the the candles lighting the umbrellas like japanese lanterns and exactly like let me sell you on the ideas of shots more than the ideas of movies Mm -hmm. it's so funny or or the ideas of just ideas yeah (laughs) And it seemed like a lot of times in the movie during the pitches, you would hear something like about the umbrellas and like, you'd be like, I like that. Like, you know what I mean? There's like, always, there's always something like, hmm, uh, I, I like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, and again, it's all like in the pitch and how you sort of conveyed and acted out. Cause that pitch could have been shit if you didn't like have the passion in it, but. Well, it had no second act. So. It had no to, second act. Yeah. Yeah. He needed to jazz it up a bit. Right. Right. Which I guess this movie kind of had no second act. <laughs> That's where it lost me was in the second act. True. So maybe it was. Oh, spot on. They're letting me know halfway through, like, guys, this part's going to be a little long. There's no second act. But the ending, I swear to God, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, the first movie that's pitched is The Graduate Part 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good stuff. I enjoyed that a lot. Which is, yeah. oh, <laughs> we still have everybody. Everyone's still alive. We'll bring them all back. Yeah. She's had a stroke. Or something. Some something kind of ailment. <laughs> <laughs> Which there is a sort of sequel to the graduate really starring jennifer aniston shirley MacLaine, and mark ruffalo um i believe it's called rumor has it i've heard of rumor has it i didn't know that was oh graduate-esque it's graduate-esque it's not a direct but she's essentially they're alluding to it it and it's like was my mom the inspiration or something like that i can't but i did i did think about that you have the max landis character who's like the kid who's trying to get like Meg Ryan's number. Oh, yeah, She's yeah. married. <laughs> what about, about Winona Ryder? <laughs> um, no, I don't, yeah, just my notes are a mess. I was trying to think of what other pitches there were. The Graduate 2 was one. There were so many good ones, and I thought like, I'll remember these. And then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was born in the beginning of about two moons or whatever. Oh, two moons. Two sons. Oh, two sons, yeah, sons. sorry. No, 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 no. Two sums? Yeah. <laughs> And they've lost all their resources. Yes. <laughs> just the, the kid walking around the, the, the studio. Like, how did he get in here? Who gave him credentials? It's always good to see Fred Ward in something. Yeah. Yeah, the security guy. Mm. I know it's on our list and you guys haven't seen him, but Tremors is a fucking hoot, dude. And he's in that? And he's in it. Gotcha. Yeah, he has he's one such of the main a, players. a distinct face. He does, yeah. 
that Eddie Mannix's character is so strange. I guess he's the head of security, but he feels the most surreal. Because every time you see him in that opening tracking shot, he's talking about all of these old movies. None of his movie references are seem like they're prior to 1950, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. He almost seems like a ghost. See, now I'm getting very crackpot. <laughs> He's actually a ghost. Um, I don't know. Do we want to go down the list of all the cameos? I don't. Oof, I'd have to get I'd have to get them cuz like the credits of as themselves was longer than yeah. the straight credits. Let me see if I can pull up just like a list of the people. It's Cher who showed up. Share. Share. Yeah. yeah. I thought I saw Fate Down Away, but maybe I didn't. His name's escaping me, but the the mother's like boyfriend in American History X or whatever. He was in it for like a hot minute. Oh. So we've got Steve Allen, Harry Belafonte, mm-hmm. Shari Belafonte, Karen Black, Gary Busey, Robert Carradine, uh Cher, James Coburn, Kathy Lee Crosby, John Cusack. Brad Davis, Peter Falk, uh, let's see, Dennis Franz, Lisa Gibbons. I think that was just her voiceover more than her on camera. Jeff Goldblum, Elliot Gould, David Allen Greer, Angelica Houston, Kathy Ireland, Jack Lemon, Marley Matlin, both McDowells, Martin <laughs> Mull, Nick Nolte. It's um, like the Burt first one fifty. One of the Pokemon. You gotta catch yeah, them all. Yeah. <laughs> Rogers, <laughs> really. Susan Sarandon, Rod Steaker, Lily Tomlin, Bruce Willis, we already mentioned. And I skipped over a bunch of names of people who I just didn't recognize. So Traffic was a bitch. Traffic was a bitch. Yeah, I mean I like I, I liked the the happy end like I liked that line that it was used in the happy ending of the the crappy ending of the just put a bow on it, yeah. And then in the movie itself, like I, I liked that connection to it. I thought that was good. What did you guys think of Tim Robbins as a man slowly going crazy, but also falling in love? Like he does a really good job of someone losing it over the course of a movie. He <laughs> does. Time. I preferred this falling apart to Mystic River. Quite frankly, mm, this yeah. one feels a little bit more unhinged. Well, he's already like fucked up at the beginning of Mystic River. We don't see a normal That's person like ever. True. Yeah. Because huh. he has to deal with that, as opposed to yeah. going crazy. I almost wish he went crazy a little slower, because, I mean, the the murder happens kind of early on. Yeah. Once he starts wearing all black, then you know it's on. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the minute his hair stops being slicked back, then, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's like, okay. hanging. It's, yeah. <laughs> that fax was gold. Oh, my God. The fact that he has to answer the phone with a special, like, dial... He has to press it on the keypad to accept the fax, and the fax just comes into the car. Like, come on. <laughs> Why do you have a fax machine right. in car, Hollywood executive man? Oh, my God. If you really loved me, you'd fax me in my car. <laughs> and I think it's the first time, like, watching, like, a Tim Robbins movie where I'm like, that dude's fucking tall. Oh, yeah. Uh, enormous. Frighteningly tall. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's really skinny here, too, where later on he has a little more... Yeah, he meat on him. Yeah, he bulked yeah. up a little bit as. But like, he got even older. in a Range Rover, it's like that's a small car for that guy. It did look really weird driving the Range Rover. Yeah, I couldn't place why, but I guess it is just because he's, he's tall. He's just tall, yeah. Because I think the scene where he's driving it with the snake, and you see him from outside the car looking in head on, 
I was like, damn, why does that look so weird? Like, why does it look like he's driving a toy car? Oh, I guess it's just because he's a giant person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he should have been driving a convertible the entire time. <laughs> he does get one at the end. He does get one at the end, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't need that roof in Southern California. It's fine. You don't. Uh, what do we think of Judy? Is it June? June. Oh, it's June. June, yeah. June. June Goodman's daughter. The Ice Queen? The Ice Queen. <laughs> yeah. Not from Iceland. That was a weird line. I don't know why all of a sudden when she got in, he's like, you're not from Iceland. And then that didn't matter at all. Like, I thought that was going to be some twist of they're in our together and he's going to get murdered here in the desert. Because he's like, you're not from Iceland. And she's like, did I say that? And then they fuck her. I couldn't tell. She kind of like <laughs> dropped her accent a little bit right there. And I was like, what the fuck is this chick? Yeah. But maybe I just kind of heard it weird. No, it did sound like she, that's, I think that's why he says it is because she kind of drops the accent a little bit. Yeah. But it could have been her doing an American accent. Right. To go along with the conversation about movies. But then he's like, you're not from Iceland. I was like, okay, here we go. Here's the, here's the twist of who the murderer really was. Yeah, they the were fem, in cahoots. Femme fatale, yeah. 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 She's a black widow. She's a, you know. <laughs> and then it was just like, no, I'm going to fuck. Yeah. I thought we were getting a big twist. We didn't. Okay. Damn you, movie making. You've let me down again. <laughs> I mean, she was good. I didn't care. As I mentioned, I didn't really care for the subplot of it. So I just was. She did fine. Yeah. Yeah. I liked their chemistry. I thought they had good chemistry. It was a little weird that she was like, no, it's too soon. But we can go away together. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. A day later. Yeah. Who stays on the phone like that? Two. Like, their first conversation. Oh, yeah. Feels oh, yeah. very loaded. The chemistry is already there. It's already. It, the whole thing is ridiculous. I mean, because she just. Anyone who has one iota of like close the IQ. blinds, lady. She just wants all our neighbors to see her put ice cubes on her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like anyone else would have made the connection. Like you wouldn't sell my brother. My brother's dead now. Yeah, it's like the whole thing. But again, I I I gotta forgive it because I think the movie's trying to make fun of itself. It's trying to be like this is ridiculous. We know it's ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. just as ridiculous as a pitch. Like if someone pitched this movie to me, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and again, I think I might like it more later, but just right now I'm so focused on the... I think you really want a straightforward thriller or something like that. Yeah, but I feel like you can have that, but also have the satire of you, it. You, you could, but I think it's leaning more towards making fun of itself than trying to give you basic instinct or something. Yeah, I think it's more absurdist than it kind of ha- is on the facade. Right. Where the whole time I was like, Please give me more of the intrigue. Please give me more of the the who done it kind yeah. of thing, and less of the none of it makes sense and it's not supposed to because aren't movie executives just the dumbest? It's like okay, yes, I know this. This is common. I mean, maybe it's because it's common knowledge now because the internet exists and the Sony hack is real, where I could read all the emails of Sony executives with their dumb ideas and their ass backwards pitches of like, what if we remade this movie, but. We completely changed it in every single way. Or I think there was one where it's like, didn't we remake that in the 80s? And he's like, yeah. I was like, all right, well, we could squeeze a few more dollars out of it or whatever. When when um, he was late to the meeting and they were talking about right, it like, right. in a different room. Of Yeah, I think we could probably milk, milk some more money out of that franchise. Like, sure, let's do it. Let's do it again. So, again, I think maybe just because it's the world is different now and we know more of the ins and outs of how dumb producers are it's not nearly as scathing of like producers in hollywood are actually stupid yeah, i know <laughs> i know i'm watching this movie <laughs> i saw annette recently <laughs> i'm well aware 
Um, I would say this is a more successful satire of the industry than, say, uh, Death to Smoochie mm-hmm. oh, would sure. be. Yeah. Or Broadcast News. Yeah. Broadcast News, I don't think knew what it wanted to be. Yeah. But... I, I think it's a smart movie. It just, depending on what you want going into it and mm-hmm. what you get out of it, it's really going to depend on your mileage with how you yeah. really feel about it. Like I said, I do want to read it more about it. It might end up being more brilliant than I thought it is, or maybe like Adam, where it just, there's cracks galore, it doesn't really make any sense. You know, one metaphor against another doesn't make as much sense as the other. You know, it just, there's might be a th- situation where it's not as smart as I think it is, but. Yeah. I think it'll. I think, hold up. yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so too, but I just, right now, I, th- I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it just, it's a, it's a fun movie, but you're right. I think in the middle, it kind of, it meanders a bit, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I like seeing movies in that environment. The 90s shit is great. The the double-breasted oh, <laughs> jackets and... If you were looking for style inspiration, <laughs> this movie has everything. Whoopi in the shoulder pads. Whoopi in the oh, yeah. shoulder pads. She's holding the Oscar. The Bonnie has this dress in the beginning. First of all, she's got her crazy bob with the bangs, and then she's got this dress that's essentially a men's suit coat, six buttons and crazy shoulder pads. And I wish I had a machine that I could just go... Give me that, that, please. Thank you. With a kitten heel, thank you much. I liked one of the one of the actresses at one of the parties had like this bedazzled purple and gold thing, and I'm like, that is exactly what an old Hollywood actress would have. She's like, this is glam, baby. It's like, no, it is garbage. No girl. <laughs> Shoulder pads go up to your ears, yeah. and that's wrong. <laughs> I want them like bat wings. That's how far I want them out. Um, well, like the excess of the giant like cylinder fish tank in the corner of his <laughs> office. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, his pants are three sizes too big. Oh yeah, that's why he's got those suspenders. It's like Janko made my Dockers or something. Mm-hmm. And just and like so slippery, no no starch yeah, yeah. to anything. Just like the material is water falling. Mm-hmm. Some other good outfits. I was thinking about it a lot. <laughs> I was shopping mentally. Get up a thrift store after this and kind of piece some outfits together. Yeah. Like, I'm going for the player vibe. <laughs> Have you seen The Player by yeah. Robert Alden? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, Goodwill employee, I need you to help me shop for things that would go well with The Player from 1992. Like, ma'am, I was born in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So if you've never seen it before, I want it. Yeah. If it looks wrong to you going on my body yeah. although those things they are cycling back in mm. all of the the big pants and it's a return to yeah, early I've, 90s yeah, my, my little cousin she's like 19 years old and like they're all wearing these huge pants huge pants Fly huge pants. huge hawaiian shirts it's kind they of basically wild, yeah. they do dress like t- like tim robbins in the player <laughs> yeah the suspenders and all or like bernie from waking up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I will say I'm. I, I like fi- I like how we're finding these movies, or at least attacking these movies that seem to exist in a universe where like no one else knows that. Like, I think if we brought this up to anyone, no one knows what the fuck we were talking about. We didn't even know what the fuck. We were no, we don't. No, we were like, about. I think right. Tim Robbins is in it. Yeah, but maybe that's Jacob's Ladder. Like, I <laughs> Jacob's <laughs> Ladder. Oh my goodness. Um, that's a dude going fucking insane. 
Yeah, Gene Hackman's good at yelling. Tim Robbins is good at going insane. And, and losing it, yeah. I kind of wish I knew more going in. I think that's ultimately my biggest problem, is that mm. I was... I only saw the blurb, and the blurb is not at all what the movie is about. Yeah. I think that did a disservice to my brain. Like, that's I fair. wish I saw a trailer. I wish... Because I feel like a trailer... I'd have to watch it, but I feel like a trailer might give away the murder. And then it's like, okay, so it's not about the postcard guy. It's about this man going crazy or something like i feel like if i had known more i wouldn't have been surprised by how wrong i was about what it was i'm also curious as you say that i would be curious to see a trailer from 1992 for this movie how was it marketed was it just like what's the campaign do they do nothing and just say it's a robert altman film and fuck you do they my guess is they just Almost every cameo that's in it is going to have a, a, a quick frame. And you're going to be like, starring this, starring that, starring this, starring over 60 celebrities. Yeah, you know. Star study. He got them all. Yeah. I think that's kind of the angle with this because, like anything else, they're trying to make fucking money off of it. Yeah. I'd like to know what this movie made at the box office. I got to imagine it wasn't great, but. Let me pull it up here. See? I mean, critically, it did very well. Yeah. As you can imagine trying to think if it says uh, so it had a budget of eight million dollars and a box office of 28.9 million dollars so no did not yeah. do very well at the box office despite heaps of critical praise roger ebert gave it a full four stars called it a smart and funny movie see here i wonder too if, if maybe because we're watching it in a different time period, as I mentioned, with like knowing the ins and outs more of Hollywood. This quote from Roger Ebert's review of a smart and funny movie, it's absolutely of its time. After the savings and loan scandals, after Michael Milken, after junk bonds and stolen pension funds, here's a movie that uses Hollywood as a metaphor for the avarice of the 1980s. It is the movie the bonfire of the vanities wanted to be. So I think maybe because we're not watching it from the immediate aftermath of the go-go 80s the excess the Mm -hmm. greed all of this stuff it plays differently whereas like if you watch it in 1992 you'd be like oh yeah these are just a bunch of yuppie idiots ruining Mm -hmm. the art form and then we get a a pious speech in the middle about how movies are really art you guys they really are now give me now let me go give a million dollars to a writer yeah and give me my next award yeah exactly so again i think the timing of it for when it came out versus when we're watching it without that kind of history or that backstory definitely plays into at least my opinions and results after watching it. Right. But yeah. all the Hollywood stuff is good. Like all of the Oh yeah, and, the and, and stuff. I think it nails the Hollywood shit for sure. Yeah. yeah, and that's my favorite part of the whole thing and that's why like I don't know, I cuz I also want to read up on it. I want to see maybe I did miss the a bigger theme or a bigger metaphor that we haven't thought of or discussed or a conspiracy theory about how it's a fever dream or whatever um so i definitely want to go in and do a bit more of a dive too because all the hollywood stuff is just it's great it's all those pieces i really really like it's just when it gets away from that it dragged for me Mm. and i wanted to see either more of the who's sending the postcards or more of the hollywood pitches and the the infighting of those, because I never really got a good vibe for the infighting between Levy and Tim Robbins, because I'm like, okay, well, he's he's scared this new executive's coming in. Okay, I want to know, why doesn't he like this new executive? Is it just because he's new? Is it just because he's younger? Yeah, then you go too deep on that. Yeah. yeah. 
it almost acted like we were supposed to know, but he's not a famous executive. I don't, like, they're obviously not using real names for any of the characters. Right. But I feel like if they had given me more of that, I would have liked to see that interplay more than the he's going crazy or like maybe he's pushing him extra, extra hard. But really, Tim Robbins just kind of puts it all on himself. The Levy guy doesn't even seem like he gives two shits about Tim Robbins. Other than we don't need writers, we just need content. There's a little bit of subtle power play. When yeah. he shows up late for the meeting, he said, oh, well, we were wait- I wasn't saying anything. I was waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah, so you get some of that, but not any more than a standard corporate office environment of like, oh, these two don't like each other, mm-hmm. rather than something that made it seem at the beginning, at least, like that was going to be a big major player, and then it wasn't. And then they completely script flip the script, and he gets to be the boss, and now Peter Gallagher's kissing his ass and t- telling him, you did it, boss. You made the whole thing work. You fixed it all. So I would have liked, I guess, more of the Hollywood intrigue, more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Because yeah. you can send you can send that up a lot easier than, look, we made all the wrong choices and put it in a movie. Isn't that funny? Because they do that sometimes. Yeah, I would have. For me, at least, it was fun to be a part of the production, scripting, pitching process. But it would have been cool to like do the actual production part of it and yeah. see some of that. I mean, I don't. I mean, at that point, you're sort of bloating the, the actual story itself. But mm. as far as what I would have liked to see now, well, like you said, we'll talk about. All the other people behind, you know, craft services and gaffers and grips and all those makeup. But again, it's just the movie just has other concerns, which Mm -hmm. I'm fine with. Yeah. But again, the movie, it was about the pre-production part. Yeah. And I think it's about that would be too close to real art. And this movie is not so much about artists and filmmakers really as much as it is it's about bullshit artists Mm -hmm. who happen to work in the film industry yeah it's about the absurdity yeah and the second you show someone actually doing that you get a little bit when they're looking at the dailies of lily tomlin and um i forget the actor's name that's robert carradine i think yeah but i did like that scene a lot where they're watching the dailies especially when she gets, she starts yelling at him, or he's yelling at her, and she's like, wait, are you talking to me or the character? What's happening here? Yeah. It's like, you! I'm trying to make a pretend <laughs> phone call, and you're over here talking about your dress on the knobs, like, get it together, Lily Tomlin. <laughs> it's so great, because they're having a very similar conversation in the actual screening. Yeah. About what's going on, yeah. Yeah, all the back and forth and stuff like that. Right. What did you guys think of the, I guess, twist that the movie that we watch is the one being pitched by the blackmail guy in the end. We're like, oh, here's the, my pitch. It's blackmail. Also, it's called The Player. What do you think? Did you guys like that? Did you? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I saw it coming, but I it was very much like how this script would have landed at whatever studio that, that produced this movie mm-hmm. that we watched. Like, that's exactly how... It landed on someone's desk, just like that. Yeah, because I, I would be interested to see the conversation, but like, I wonder if it's twenty-five words or less when he explains it. Probably more <laughs> than that. I enjoyed it. It was again. It's it's it was already on that meta level. It was already that tongue-in-cheek level. You may as well just go the extra mile mm-hmm. and do it that way. Just call have him repeat the Bruce Willis line. But yeah, I almost thought like way early on when he's sort of like pitching the idea about himself you know what i mean talking about killing the writer and everything i'm like ooh, i really like where this is going right now because this is gonna get super weird pretty soon i think but again it's i tried not to paint the picture of how this movie is going to be 
because I always end up being disappointed somehow and <laughs> writing a movie that maybe I would have liked to seen. But um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the ending. I glad I'm glad I did it. Are you excited for their happy ever after? Would you have liked a down ending? Or are you happy with the happy ending? I'm happy with the happy ending. I don't need a no country for old men on this thing. I agree. It feels again. The movie gets more and more surreal yeah. the more it marches on. Yeah. Fitting it. And it's more ending. of the beat of its own drum, for sure. Yes. Very loud drum. Very loud drum. The Very loud drum. gong. Yeah. Sex drums. <laughs> sex drums. What did you think of the sex scene? Was it passionate enough for you guys? Does it sell? Does that sex sell? It's very sweaty. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They're, well, they're really sweaty, yeah. Are they in the hot spring? Well, they're at the hot spring resort, so they're in the desert. Probably still. Although the desert gets really cold at night. I was going to say, it gets cold at night. Why are you sweating? I like how there's this other couple just slowly fucking around them while they're slow dancing after their pork dinner. Yeah. Yeah, and he... Yes, that was also a chilling... Seems the pig on a spit. Fade to the pig. Oh no, the worst fade was the one where it it pans to the... uh, the poster of just like cat's eyes and it's like something dangerous is good <laughs> i was like oh jesus <laughs> there were lots of weird like pans and zooms to things and rooms and mailboxes and signs and the weirdest one was the slow zoom in to one car through the gate at a time when he gets to the resort right because all of the other ones it's like okay they're movie posters and they're movie posters talking about danger about intrigue about all of the things going on in the movie, and I liked those. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool, we're we're hitting the nail on the head, but we're doing it in a productive way, not in a let's just see where it goes kind of way. Like these are very deliberate, and I like that because they're both tongue in cheek, but also on the nose. Yeah. But then the ones that don't make sense are just like, wait, is this because sometimes they just do dramatic zooms for the sake of dramatic? Some zooms of them are weird, like the one where they're in the mud bath and like the oh. light comes out like what. what, what like what is that it was so scary it It felt like something coming out of like like godzilla yeah like exactly something i thought maybe it was the writer coming back to life like oh he's coming out of the puddle from the puddle oh no how how intriguing it would take it would take another box i also found her in her face very weird of like oh he just told me that he killed my boyfriend in a roundabout way i'm scared now but then smash cut to one year later, we're married and pregnant. It's like, wait, wait, what happened? You seemed very off put when you were, when she was in the, you know, the mud bath or whatever. Like she, they zoomed to her face and she looked kind of scared of like, oh, fuck him. I just fucked this murderer. And he told me he killed my ex-boyfriend as he finished. I'm scared now. Just kidding. We're married. <laughs> yeah. It was a part, like, right at the end where he's, like, rubbing her stomach and there's, like, some sort of sound effect. And I'm like, I'm not sure if they're, like, making fun of something or what's happening. But it was, like, a baby song, like, uh, like a lullaby or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, like, we're going to go like a Rosemary's Baby on the shit or something or what? They kind of had that, like, Pleasantville vibe. Yeah. Which was, like, yeah. you know, very idealistic, leave it to Beaver, white picket fence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember if there was a white picket fence, but it would make sense. Even though they're yep. in the Hollywood Hills in some mansion, she's got like a red, white, and blue sundress on. So mm-hmm. very Americana. I feel like she might have... Big rose bushes. Yeah. yeah. It's very Donna Reed. Yeah. Stepford a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so like that part worked, but it just was weird because three minutes ago she looked horrified that she just learned that her new lover is a murderer. 
Not in so many words, though. Like, I guess you could play it off of like, oh, he just said he's responsible because he took him out to drinks and he would have come right home if it wasn't for our meeting. And that's why he got killed when really he's just like, no, it was me. It's my fault because it was. (laughs) Is someone credited as the blackmailer, the voice? Ooh, that's a it good sounded question. familiar, but I couldn't. It did sound familiar. I was too. I was racking my ba- my brain. What if it's Malcolm McDowell? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. I want to know what he said about Malcolm McDowell. I really just hated him for yeah. some reason. Why didn't you say it to his face? Yeah, grow some balls. <laughs> so there's uncredited people. Let me see the uncredited studio exec, funeral gas. Patrick Swayze has an uncredited cameo as Patrick Swayze. I'm not. Did they say the name of the writer, or just we got a guy with a pitch you gotta hear? I think I think it's just a guy with a pitch you gotta hear. I'm sure there's some really fun trivia with this movie. Yeah, it was also giving me a lot of thought about like, oh, we should do Sunset Boulevard, we should do Laura, all these, all these Hollywood. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so this is a um, this is an article from Entertainment Weekly, and so the question all Hollywood is asking: Who is the real postcard writer who threatened studio executive Tim Robbins and the player? We think he's the shaggy-looking scribbler played by Brian Brophy, who eulogizes Robbins's murder victim, David Kahane, at his funeral. The hints are everywhere. It's almost certainly his voice we hear speaking to Robbins over his car phone. His character is angry enough to be the postcard writer. It's all about his eulogies, all about Hollywood and nailing some shitbag producer to the wall. And who else but a screenwriter friend of Kahane could have known for sure that Kahane wasn't the postcard writer. And the screenwriter refuses to comment. And a source at Robert Altman's production company will only say, if you want to blow it, go ahead. Hmm. That's who I thought in the moment was the postcard writer was like when he was given. And obviously I think it's probably meant to be very heavy handed. Yeah. Of especially the nail shit back producer to the wall line. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not really mentioned and it's not really important, I guess. To the yeah, it's movie. not. I it's guess. just. But we don't know who the voice is. No, I'm not seeing anything that's like a direct, a direct indication of it. Well, it makes me definitely want to watch more of Altman's movies for sure. And I know he's got a lot of classics, considered classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one we didn't mention was the. Long Goodbye, which I think he did as well, which is like a noir. A oh, noir. with Elliot Gould, that I one? I think so, yeah. Which I think was a huge inspiration for Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, Inherent Vice. Well, I know he didn't write Inherent Vice. It was... Uh, was that... The, was the guy Pin- who Fight Club? Thomas Pinchon? Yeah, okay, yeah that, yeah, that guy, yeah. What was the name of the movie? Inherent Vice. No, 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 the, the one that... Oh, oh the, the Long Goodbye? Yeah, he did direct that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I know there's a few that I'd like to check out for sure. But yeah, Elliot Gould was in this movie. He was the one walking down the carpet when they're like, all oh, of Hollywood's biggest stars are here. I was like, it's weird that you said that while Elliot Gould walked. <laughs> he was weird to Barbara Streisand. Yeah, he I was mean, a big deal. Listen, no, <laughs> no, uh, you know, no shade towards him specifically, but of all the other people in the movie, to call him one of Hollywood's biggest at the time seemed hyperbolic. Sure, <laughs> but you know. Anything for a friend. Yeah, right. you, right. yeah, you gotta give your friends. Elliot, I need you to cameo in my flowers. movie, walking down the red carpet. Okay, but only if Entertainment Tonight says I'm the biggest star in the whole wide world. Yeah. Oh, that sound effect too brought me back. Oh yeah, I was oh, bumping yeah. along. Dun, 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 dun. Give me Mary Hart right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, have we reached the end? So. Do we have anything else to say? I, I really enjoyed it. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. I want to read more about it. I like everyone in it. I like the way it was shot. 
I like movies about Hollywood. It's a good time. Yeah. I would give it a thumbs up. I recommend. I might throw you a couple of gifts later. It, oh, yeah. Who knows if even gifts even exist of this movie. I'm sure they do, but... It just seems right. yeah, like what, so yeah. under the radar that like what strange fourteen year old who has the time and ability to make gifts is like I'm doing Altman's I'm, the player yeah <laughs> I'm doing that kneecap coming out of the mud no one's gonna know what the fuck it is <laughs> I'm sure there's like think piece articles about it where someone's like all right you can you can write up a thousand words on the player but I'm gonna need it filled to the brim with gifts it's like you got you, you got it boss at Buzzfeed. you got it buddy yeah at Buzzfeed <laughs> I'll do it I'll make all the gifts. Yeah, I mean, it's a thumb sideways for me, I think. The more we talk about it, the more I, again, understand it. And I think that it's just I wasn't in the right mind to watch it. Yeah. Either lack of information or just I really wanted to see the noir aspect of it. Right. Where when I didn't get it, it, I felt let down. And then it when I realized I wasn't getting it was also when the film kind of drags a little bit. So it was a perfect combination of... I'm here and I'm paying attention, but it's not what I wanted, and I'm yeah. kind of let down by it. You were yeah. promised a, a multi-course meal that made sense, and you were given tapas yeah. <laughs> that didn't always flow together. Yeah, and like some of those dishes were really good, you know? Mm-hmm. Some of yeah. those some dishes of them... were tasty, and some of them were a little bit bigger than others, and I didn't care for those flavors as much. Mm-hmm. Which, again, it's not necessarily wrong, and I... I get what he's going for, and I like all of the Hollywood stuff. I would watch three different movies about the three different Hollywood-focused side plots that are going on here. Just take the, is he a murderer, or is he going to get caught for murder element out of it, and just make it about absurd Hollywood bullshit. And I'd watch that all day with all of these same players, but I think just because it was not what I was anticipating, it kind of fell a little flat for me. Right, but yeah. the stuff I liked, I really liked, and again, technically, amazing. Yeah, very superb stuff. I really do want to watch more noirs though on this uh, on this show though. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can even I know we our intentions are maybe in October to look at horror movies. Maybe we can start looking at maybe not whole months, but a couple of weeks of doing some noirs back to back or something like that and getting. Yeah. Noir November. Yeah, Noir November. We already watched Ooh. the one Thanksgiving. We did. We started it with the one Thanksgiving. Or not started, but that was like week two. Two, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so we watched the one Thanksgiving movie. We'll have to find something yeah. else. I like Noir November. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. It's dark. It gets darker earlier. Yeah. It's spookier. There's a lot of wind. Yeah. yeah. Leaves in the street. Yeah. Rainy, cold. A lot of shadows. Yeah. yeah. Too many shadows. You so, need a big, heavy, long jacket. Yeah. Some people aren't ready to give up the Halloween spooky season, so we'll go into Noir November. I like it. Because I, I feel like I've been let down a couple of times by wanting... Whodunits and detective thrillers, and I yeah, and we'll just them. we'll just slam me over the head with them for yeah. four straight weeks. Deal. Can't wait to hear all about the Danes and what's going on, <laughs> oh, dude. Bunch of Danes. So much cigarette smoke. Oh, cannot wait. But cool. All right. If nobody else has anything that they want to go over, then that'll do it for this week's episode of Fine. I'll watch it. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine. I'll watch it every Thursday morning. On Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of the player. Do you have any particular favorite Tim Robbins movies? What elements of this movie did you particularly enjoy? Was it the movie on the whole? Was it the Hollywood stuff? Was it the murder? Was it the shoulder pads and fashion? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter. 
at Broken Clock Pod. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.